Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Upbeat Digestions podcast. Today, we are joined by a very special guest. We're joined by Leslie Bonsi, current sports dietitian of the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Super Bowl champs. I don't know a lot about football, so I'm feeling kind of awkward saying that. I just like stuttered over my words, but very exciting for those of you who are Chiefs fans. Um, Leslie is going to talk with us today all about something called bigorexia. Leslie is the owner of Eating Advice and the co-founder of Performance 365. She is a registered dietitian, a board-certified specialist in sports dietetics, and she works with athletes and active people of all levels and abilities through advice that is attainable, maintainable, and sustainable with a side of snark and sass. We are so excited for today's episode. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hello, Leslie. Welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you here. I am so thrilled to be here and talking about something that uh, is a topic that people need to know more about and something that I deal with on a regular basis. We already, if you already tuned in, you already saw the title, so you know what we're talking about today. But Leslie, give us kind of some background about who you are and like what you do day in the life. Um, work experience, past education, hobbies. Um, before we get into the nitty gritty of bigorexia and whatnot, let the listeners know kind of who you are and whatnot. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I am what I would say a fossil in the dietetics field. That being said, succinct, but not extinct, old and bold. Yes. So I've been a registered dietitian for a long time for upwards of 40 years, also a board certified specialist in sports dietetics. So a lot of my career has been working with professional collegiate, Olympic, high school athletes, club athletes, performance artists. So pretty much every sport every venue, every type. Uh, and one of the one of the things that I've always found very interesting is that, okay, it's just women that might have issues surrounding body. Wrong, 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 wrong. We can talk about that today, that there's a lot of men that are affected too by their body looks. My undergrad degree is in psychology. So I think it served me very, very well in working with my clients to really get beyond the plate and really take a deep dive and really think about all the things that happened before you do the hand-to-mouth activity. And this is certainly a prime example of that. So my specialty area is performance nutrition. I use that word over sport because everybody defines that differently. Uh, digestive disorders, because a lot of people that are active have guts that aren't happy. And so how do we reconcile that? Um, dealing with issues surrounding physique, however we define that to be, of people not being satisfied with the way their bodies are and wanting to make some changes. And also general wellness for, I would say, the real people I work with and not necessarily the surreal people that are a lot of my audience, at the end of the day, everybody deserves to nourish their body well without the blame, without the shame. It's just taking all of that out of the equation and finding that recipe to optimize every day. Wow. Chef's kiss. My, to say. <laughs> my goal now is to have such an amazing elevator pitch like that. That was just great. I love that. <laughs> well, I feel like cool. you did a great job of kind of giving some sneak peeks of what we're going to get into. So let's get right into it. Um, again, as the title says, bigorexia is the chat today. So let's first start by defining that. Like what the heck even is bigorexia? So bigorexia is actually, uh, it, it is one of the components of muscle dysmorphia. So muscle dysmorphia, meaning that people are not satisfied 
with the way that their body looks. And in this particular case, it's not being big enough, not being muscular enough. And I think, well, that's ridiculous. You know, big, nobody wants to be big. Well, mm -hmm. if you have this, yes, you do. And you can look what you see when you look in the mirror is not necessarily what is real. I think very, very similar to what we might see with individuals that have anorexia. Sometimes what they perceive to be is not necessarily what is. So, you know, Constantly trying to lift more, consume more protein. It's never enough. There's always should be pushing it to the next level. And I will, I've seen this at my professional, with my professional athletes. I've seen it at a collegiate level. I have some high school athletes that I'm working with right now for whom this is an issue as well. Yeah. I wanted to ask if you saw this quite a bit with um, I guess all athletes, but specifically I was curious about like the professionals, like, is this a pretty big issue with a lot yeah. of them? Well, you know, I, I, I worked with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I am from Pittsburgh. So I worked with them for 24 years and they decided to go a different direction. So did I, I went to the chief, so no bitter feelings. I think I got the better deal out of all that, <laughs> but none of it is that every Friday was shirts off. Friday for lifting. This is just what the Steelers did. And the way that the weight room is, if you're doing free weights, it's like huge mirrored wall. Mm -hmm. So unless you were closing your eyes, which wasn't advised because you smacked somebody in the mouth with the weight, then you could see yourself and you could see yourself next to another body. And so, you know, some of the guys flexing and buff and shredded and ripped and toned and that, and other guys, a little bit of wiggle going on. So, you know, for the guys that were already, I think, in the physique they wanted, some of them were saying, I got to get bigger. For those who weren't quite there are saying, oh, man, I better work harder to get there. So not necessarily a positive experience. Plus, it's on a Friday. You're getting ready to compete on the weekend. This is really the last thing you want to be doing is checking out everybody around you and saying, I'm not good enough, when really at that point, it should be all about, hey, we are united as a team to get ready to do our business Sunday playing. Yes, I I can just like kind of hear the comments we're going to get kind of like trickling in in my head already. And I think those who maybe don't quite understand the, uh, what's the word, like the danger of bigorexia would say like, oh, what's the problem? Like they're just trying to get bigger and stronger. So I guess, what would you say to someone who kind of comes back with that approach? Well, it, it, there's nothing wrong with trying to improve one's body up to a certain point. The problem is that when this becomes obsessive, so when this becomes obsessive, I can't take a day off because, oh no, all my muscle will go away. Now, the three of us know that's not going to happen. But to somebody in the throes of this, it's not what they think. It's an ultimatum. I just can't afford to take time off. If I wake up tomorrow, my biceps will be gone. All right. So we have that first issue of overuse injury. If you are going to lift seven days a week and there's no rest recovery for the body, then you certainly increase that risk of injury. Secondly, is the hours spent. Well, if I'm lifting for an hour, no, no, let's make it two. Let's make it three. Well, what if you're a college student? Now, eh, you know, I'm going to blow off those classes because I got to go live. Hey, I was going to go out on a date. Nah, not going to do that. I got to go live. Oh, my friends want to go out to dinner. Whoa, can't do that. I don't know what it is they're having. And I've got to get in that extra protein shake. And I have to make sure that I'm not missing any of those reps. And so very, very isolating, very much increasing the risk of injury, and also very, very skewed about the intake. Um, the young athlete that I'm working with right now, who's actually uh, in a facility working on getting himself better. So this is good, good intervention was needed. 
but it like so much protein and I need more and I need a protein powder and I need BCAAs and I need to have creatine and I'm going to do that to the exclusion of all else. Well, A, then you have an imbalance in what you're eating. B, there's that rate limiting step if you're just consuming protein and you're not consuming any carbohydrate. So, you know, th this is a huge, huge problem. And then C, you're spending copious amounts of money with very expensive urine, but that's not where somebody's head is. I know that if I have more protein, that's going to make me bigger. Oh man, look at that picture of that ripped bicep that looks like a tree trunk on the front of the container. I will look like that too if I do that. And, you know, the other thing, certainly a concern with our younger athletes is they may not be done growing yet. They may not be at that tanner stage of development that's going to allow their body to get that degree of big. So then it's frustration. I've been lifting and that didn't work. Well, maybe I'll take something. Not necessarily creatine. Maybe I'll take something that's on the marketplace or something that I can order that may be an anabolic steroid. And then there are certainly other concerns that come along with that. So it's like red flag, danger, danger all over the place. And so it's not just lauding that behavior. Oh, good for you. It's like, whoa, whoa, let's put this into perspective. And then the other thing I will tell you, and certainly in these past couple of years, is you know, the wonderful world of Zoom, but Zoom dysmorphia, right? Because it's just constant. Everybody's been on their screens all the time checking yourself out, you're comparing yourself to everything you see, be it real or surreal. And when we're looking at somebody on a screen, how do we know if it's real or not? Like, ladies, this is as real as it gets. It's like, real. But, you know, it isn't always that way. There's their Photoshop going on over here, but oftentimes there is. And so for those very, very impressionable individuals, it's another concern. So they are looking to have an ideal that really doesn't exist, but yet that is what they're striving for. I didn't even think about the Zoom component, like, cause I know with the pandemic and everything, we were all like inside and scrolling on your social media and that you're constantly looking, but you're also just staring at people and then yourself, you're not typically staring. I don't think people are typically staring at themselves as much, but teach their own. <laughs> But that is such a big component of it. And especially in the like young, impressionable ages. And I'm glad you also brought up when they're growing that component of it. Cause we oftentimes talk about like gym bro culture a lot. And when we don't really touch on like the athletic side of it as much, but like, especially from like the high school athlete to collegiate to professional, it sounds like there's like, a lot of it like seeps in to that. Like, even if they have like the professional help of like a sports dietitian and a sports psychologist, they're still at risk of having these like psychological welfares with themselves. Yeah. And, and it's the competition, right? You think, okay, that's just healthy, friendly competition. Well, not always. And it really depends upon how somebody interprets it. Some people are just fine with that. And they they kind of know what their upper limit is. But for those that are vulnerable, for those that are dissatisfied, there is no upper limit. Well, I could be better. You know, I, I can push myself to do more. And then all of a sudden, there may be some problems that occur as a result of it. And, you know, honestly, that we have kids that are lonely. Where's your support? You know, who who is there that you turn to? It might be that individual that you follow on Zoom or people that you work with at the Zoom or at, at the at the gym or a trainer or whatever, maybe parents are busy, maybe parents are not even aware of what's going on until a problem has developed. Oh, yes. And speaking of all that, 
this would take an extra like hour of our time today, but I would love to know your thoughts on the whole liver King thing. We recorded like a little series of that back a few months ago, but we won't get into it. Cause I'm sure it's just a whole can of worms, but that's exactly what I think of when I think of impressionable high school, college age boys who are using him as like a role model. And it's all about bigger, 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 bigger all the time. Well, you know, because I always, when I am talking to my audiences and even working with teams or working with individuals at my four P's. So P number one is physiology. And certainly for young athletes, there's something to be said for those Tanner stages of development. If you're not there yet, guess what? You're not going to be there until your body is where it needs to be. And if you push, 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 push too much, you may be delaying that uh, ability, uh, ability to mature because you're just incurring more stress as a result. So that's issue number one. Two is physique. And we know not all bodies are going to be the same. That's the way that it is. Not everybody's going to be that same height. Not everybody's going to have that same frame size. There are things that we can control and things that we cannot control. And the variables that oftentimes one is controlling, manipulating fluid intake, not always good, is manipulating muscle mass, good and bad, but again, there's an upper limit to how it is that that can happen. Then we have the performance aspect, strength, speed, stamina, recovery, injury prevention, and bigorexia, kind of like, not necessarily more strength if you're not doing everything you need to. Yes, increased risk of injury, longer to recover, you know, delayed sleep, all those things that can happen, and then practicality. And so to answer your question about the liver cane, uh, practical. I don't think so, is first of all, you know, kind of like do the math and look at the science and really think about this. Even if somebody said, I'm just eating animal source foods all the time or meat all the time, like, all right, there's an upper limit for the amount of muscle that you were gonna put on because you need to have carbohydrate as part of it. And then it's like, oh, let's peel away the layers. Mm, anabolic steroids. And so, you know, it's just one of those things. I've worked in this area long enough. Remember one of my strength coaches saying, you can always tell when you look at the delt and you look at the width of that delt, it's like, mm -mm, what is natural and what is not? Or, oh, my neck is the size of a tree trunk. That's not the way most people's necks are. And so those are some of those little giveaways. And then certainly the other issues we worry about with steroids, like death, <laughs> this is a problem. I'm not joking. It is a huge, huge problem. The roid rage, all these types of things, it can be so incredibly dangerous. So every time there is somebody out there, those are the influencers as far as I'm concerned. It's like tick off. It just ticks me off. It's like get out, delete, go away. Sinfluencers. I love that. I love, <laughs> I love that too. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. It's, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. We recorded like two, three episodes on it because there was a whole can of worms. That's just, whew, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. I want to hear. So we've talked a lot about like symptoms and characteristics of bigorexia. And then like, maybe if some parents are listening or like even other people who are like friends with people who they might be like, see some of these behaviors and might be concerned about them. What are some of the risk factors that play the most into bigorexia that might put someone at a little bit more risk? Yeah, I, I mean, certainly um, somebody spending a lot of time alone, if somebody is already having issues around low self-esteem, that's a big one. Um, it, you know, somebody who's constantly been like complaining or voicing things about body or, you know, I don't like the way clothes fit or oh, you know, I could be doing more. I think that all those kinds of things should be, 
uh, you know, should be some some little red flags. And then also, I think for people in the house, you have to be aware of what's going on with your kids. What are they, you know, let's not walk around blindfolded. Let's actually pay attention at the table, put the phone away, see what your kids are doing, have them at the table. Oh, just eating protein. Oh, that might be a little bit of an issue or hmm, constantly asking to buy protein powders or whatever. I mean, most kids are not always having uh, uh, money to buy things. So they got to ask is as parents, you know, sometimes we have to be the bad guy. I am a parent and I am a grandparent too. I'm not never a bad person to my grandchildren because they can have everything. But for my own kids, they would think, oh, I'm a bitch. But like, okay, because I knew, like, no, we're not going to do that because there are things that I'm worried about. So involvement is really, really key. We don't have to be friends with our kids. We do have to be parents to our kids. And that means providing good guidance to them. I love that. Well, I think the the secondary part to that question then would be if either a parent sees a kid struggling or maybe someone sees a friend struggling, like Emily had said, or if maybe they see themselves struggling with this, what would be some tips you could give to kind of overcome this and work through bigorexia? Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, when I, no matter what somebody's dealing with is it is perfectly fine and okay to say, I'm worried about you is the first thing we have to do is we have to establish rapport and gain trust. And that's not right away pointing a finger and accusing. What are you doing? Why are you doing that so much? Is you know, I'm really worried about you. You just seem like a little edgy. You just seem a little bit more tense. You just seem more sad. You just don't seem like yourself. Can you tell me what, what's going on? I mean, that's that's got to be the start to all of this. Again, we don't want to necessarily be bad guys, but I think sometimes it's really important to enforce some rules about this and say, no, I'm not going to go to the gym seven days a week. If we have a parent whose child is working with a personal trainer, talk to that personal trainer. Ask them what it is that they're doing. For heaven's sakes, their services aren't free. It's come on. We have to be part of that solution and say, you know, look, it's going to be maybe four times a week max. And I really want you to take a look at my child, what you're recommending for them, because I am really worried about this. So again, we have to be active participants in what's going on with our kids not just hanging around in the background. Absolutely cannot do that. And then I think as well, the need for therapy. I mean, not everybody does, but I think the majority of people that are dealing with issues around muscle dysmorphia and specifically bigorexia can't handle it themselves. Even if a parent is professionally a therapist, hands off when it comes to our own kids, absolutely cannot do that is Yes, the finding is kind of like what I would say, this is the pit crew, right? The people that surround that athlete. So a therapist, a sports dietitian, not registered dietitian, you have to have somebody who understands activity. Otherwise, mm -mm, it's not going to go anywhere. And I do think that it is critically important for the PCP to be involved, do some blood work, make sure that everything is within normal limits or if it's out of limits, got to find that out. We don't like surprises on the back end or unintended consequences. Yeah. I mean, it sounds so similar to any other eating disorder, like having a multidisciplinary team in place is going to be so key for that recovery. Well, it is. And, you know, this is not a badge of honor. Oh, good for me. The bigger I am, the better I am. It's like, no. And that's not, the answer is not, okay, never again go and lift. But that's how we lose trust 
right away. That doesn't work. But you know, the purpose of working with somebody is to get it out of our own head and let somebody else provide the guidelines. Tell me how often I can live. Show me what it is I'm supposed to eat. What else can you recommend? Are there any supplements that would help and complement what I'm doing and not be a deterrent in any way, shape, or form? We are supposed to be the fountain of knowledge. And as the, as the professionals, we have to interact with each other. So it looks like a united fund. Well, my PCP said this, and we know, but the trainer said this, and we know that the psychologist said this, like, mm -mm, absolutely wrong, because then again, that person's right out the door and they will never come back again. Yep. I've seen that happen in outside of sports nutrition, like just different providers with different nutrition recommendations. It just does not go very well. Yeah. It's yeah. not go well. My rule of thumb is always, and it's just my personality is I need to make my clients laugh. And I mean, part of that is because right away, the tension goes away. Right? If you're smiling, if you're laughing, then you're not like that. Oh, okay. Well, it was kind of, I'm out of, out of my mind. I'm crazy. It's just the way it is. But <laughs> That's my way of gaining trust. And if I do that, I mean, I I would say it's like, you know, it's like getting to know you, getting to know all about you, that we might do that a session or two before we even start to talk about protein intake is the first thing out of my mouth. That person's out the door. Mm -mm. I got to find the common ground with them. What do you want to talk about? What are your concerns? How can I be of help to you? So I always say, you know, we're not writing the screenplay. They are. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to tweak it. Our goal is to edit it not to author it. And so it is really important that we listen and then we can respond, not the other way around. Mm, exactly. Food police yeah. badge off. <laughs> I feel like we talked about so many great things mm -hmm. and you provide us with such a wealth of knowledge and also say everything so well. I feel like the way you pitch everything, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. Tacking that away for later. <laughs> but we're at kind of the point where we like to kind of like jokingly say, if our listeners were to listen to one part of the episode and you could sum it all up or like give them one last piece of knowledge, advice, information, whatever it is to leave them with, what would you want to say about all of this? What I would say is that we all only get one body in this life. You know, there's organs that can be transplanted, entire bodies can. And so rather than be the enemy with ourselves, let's find the way to be the ally. We don't have to love everything about our bodies each and every day, but at the end of the day, are we paying attention to our moves? Are we paying attention to our chews? Are we paying attention to our snooze? All those things are equally important. So it's all about the nurture, not the torture with permission over omission. Just like Amazing. catchphrase, catchphrase, catchphrase. I love it. <laughs> I'm like getting so much of the, out of this. I just love it. Well, Leslie, before we get into our bonus question, which by the way, for our listeners, if you want to hear a bonus question with Leslie, be sure to join the Beat Deets bonus segment and we will have that available for you. But before we do, for listeners listening to this episode only, will you please let them know where they can find you if they want to learn more? Okay. So my website is activeeatingadvice.com. I am on Instagram at Bonsi LJ, Facebook and Twitter at Leslie Bonsi. Love it. We will have it all in the show notes for you guys to check out. Well, thank you for tuning in today's episode, everyone. Thank you so much, Leslie, for joining us. This was an absolute pleasure. We were, or I don't think we even said this during the recording. We said this off air, 
But Leslie presented at Fincy this past October 2022, and Hannah and I were absolutely stoked by her fangirling. presentation we we were and we're like oh my gosh do we think we could get her on the podcast so we're like let's see and it was just so fun to bring you back on and hear you talk about something you're so passionate about and this is something we've never talked about bigorexia before mm-hmm. so I know that our listeners will absolutely take away so much from this thank you for having me Thanks for listening, guys. We will see you next week. Otherwise, have a great rest of your day. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in on this episode of The Upbeat Dietitians with your hosts, Emily Krause and Hannah Thompson. We appreciate you all so much for continuing to support us. In order to support us and sustain the success of this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. If you'd like to provide us feedback for future episodes and guest stars, follow us on Instagram at The Upbeat Dietitians. Lastly, you can show us support by providing a monthly donation using the link at the end of our bio. Once again, thank you so much for listening today and stay tuned next Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.